future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, and welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360 Karma. As always, we have exceptional guests on today. We have the mayor of West Hollywood, Lauren Meister. And later in the show, we're going to be talking with Amanda Barr of the RTB Financial Group, along with her husband and business partner, Adam Barr. So first up, please give a warm welcome to the mayor of West Hollywood, Lauren Meister. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you bet. You bet. I've been wanting to have you on the show. I know it's hard to get on that busy schedule of yours. It is. The calendar has been pretty full. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine why. Uh, That would probably be my first question. It must be uh, keep you busy uh, to be the mayor. And it must be uh, uh, difficult to, like, go out into West Hollywood. And, I mean, uh, you know, when you're the mayor, I mean, everybody knows you, so... Uh, it's hard to go anywhere and not be like, you know, you're famous. Well, yeah? you know, when I'm walking in the morning and I walk every morning, yeah. uh, I'm in my uh, sweatpants or whatever, and, <laughs> and people sort of recognize you and they smile and, you know, yeah. say hello. But, you, you know, we're all like a big family yeah. in West Hollywood. Is, is it cool to be mayor? It is. Yeah. It is. It, it is busy. Uh, you know, you run the meetings, yeah. the council meetings, uh, a lot of events to go to. And uh, a lot of ribbon cuttings. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you'd work it in. Yeah. When you were a kid, did you ever think one day you would be the mayor of a city? Never. <laughs> I never yeah. did. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. And uh, would have, you know, it's that's a big, we're in a big city. Yeah. And I would have never thought that I would have ended up in politics. Yeah. And I know that you hate the word politics. And and I'm in that same boat with you. I hate that word. It's like, uh, you know, what you do is so much more important. And so politics always have like that negative connotation, right? Especially after this past year. (laughs) And, you know, it's one thing I find about you, Lauren, is so refreshing is you're you're just so authentic and down to earth. And you're not like a politician that people think of, I think, you know, it's like it's it's nice. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't look at myself as a politician. I look at myself as someone who worked in the community and worked my way up in the community. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You've d- done a lot of work in, yeah. in this city. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think people would be interested to know because a lot of women want to get into politics or we, we hope a lot of women want to get into politics. And I want to encourage them to do so on the show today uh, because we need more women. Right. And uh, – I don't, I don't know any statistics on that, but uh, I, as far as how many women are mayors in the country, do you have a percentage on I, that? I don't, but it's, it's definitely it's a very small percentage. Small. Yeah. Yeah, it's too small. I, so, I, think, I think people need to start uh, at the local level, and you yeah. need to start with your own community, mm-hmm. with your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I started out when I uh, – when I, uh, Bought my house in in West Hollywood. I got involved in CERT training, which is the community emergency response team. So mm-hmm. I would know what to do in case there was an earthquake. Oh, wow. Then somehow I got involved in neighborhood watch. Mm-hmm. I became a neighborhood watch captain. And you uh, were the president of. And that, then I became right? then I became the president of that residents association, which was a fairly large 
uh, you know, part of uh, West Hollywood. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I just started going to all these meetings and especially planning commission meetings and public safety commission meetings and city council meetings. And when you, when you go to all those meetings, you find out what's going on not only in your neighborhood, but in all the neighborhoods in the city. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Now, I know you were telling me that uh, one of the reasons you got involved is you had been a renter in the city. But once you um, uh, bought some property, you felt a vested interest in, hey, what's going to happen in my community? Right. And so that kind of perpetuated you getting involved. Yeah, and once yeah. you and once you do get involved, you kind of you can't get uninvolved. Right. It's, right. You can't take you take your head out of the sand and yeah. put it put it back in. Right. So I, you know, once I, you know, once you, you know, know, you know, yeah. And uh, then I, I ended up on the uh, public safety commission as a commissioner and on planning commission. I, I just became fascinated with what was going on in the city in terms of planning and zoning. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's really uh, how I got involved. And so um, it started off with you working on things in the neighborhood and then uh, being on different planning committees uh, for the city. And then you decided, I want to be on the city council, right? Which right. then and, and ultimately leads to one being the mayor. Right. Well, what right. happens is you realize at some point that you're uh, – even though you're involved, you're on the outside – and there's only so much change that you can affect from the outside. And mm. so it's important to uh, to get on the inside. Right. And, and really it was a natural progression, yeah. you know, becoming involved with the neighborhood, becoming the president of the Residents Association, where I learned all about traffic issues, parking issues, uh, you know, quality of life issues that are important right. to to, to uh, all of the residents right. of the city. Whether you're renting or buying. Right, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people will just vote in a national or a state election for Congress or Senate, but they don't often, uh, a lot of people do not vote uh, for their local uh, elections for the council. And I know one of the things that you wanted to, uh, you know, put an emphasis on is how important it is to your quality of life. Right. Um who you put in there and what and what they're they're striving to do is is important to you as a citizen of a community any community that you're in absolutely right yeah i think we only have 25 percent of registered voters that vote in our local elections that's amazing isn't and, it and for a city that's you know known to be progressive you would expect that uh residents would be more involved than that yeah uh, i think that if you have uh, opinions about development uh, about things going on in the city, right? Development, uh, overdevelopment, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Then, then you need to vote because yeah. it, it does make a difference, right? Need to vote for the people that believe what you believe, right? So you Absolutely. have to kind of investigate what their thoughts are, and yep. yeah, and 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 also those council people appoint commissioners and yeah. appoint board members, and those people are also on the inside, uh, you know, affecting change. So you want to make sure that who they appoint reflects your values. Right. So if you think there's not enough parking, if you think the trash isn't picked up enough, if you think there's uh, issues with dog walking, whatever it is that your quality of life or the value of your properties or any of those things, then it's important to be involved in local government, either as a voter or a participant. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and we have... uh, you know, much we have much bigger issues as well that are regional issues that mm. we share, such as homeless, 
the homeless right. uh, uh, issue, and and it's it's a real problem. It's a problem for everyone, and it's mm-hmm. not something that West the city of West Hollywood can uh, solve on its own. Right. It, it, you, it you takes need to all be, the various cities. Yeah, you need to be involved yeah. uh, with the, with the county. Right. What's on the agenda discussion. for that? What are we doing to try to help the homeless? We um, we have actually a pretty robust program. We mm-hmm. uh, we recently hired some new out- outreach teams. They come into the city. They uh, they talk to the homeless people. They and they tell them what services uh, can they can uh, have access to. Mm-hmm. Of course, for they food tr- and they, shelter. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. try to get them into shelter. It's not always so easy. I mean, there's you know, being homeless is just one component for a lot of for, for a lot of the homeless. It's also mm-hmm. about social services needing. Uh, you know, needing services because there's mental illness, there's mm-hmm. drug addiction. Right. So all uh, of those things. All of those things. Right. Yeah. And so, as the mayor, it's kind of your responsibility to make sure that the city of West Hollywood is doing its part for issues like that. Right, and it's yeah. it's really the the responsibility of the entire council. Mm-hmm. You know, right. as mayor, I'm still one of five votes. Right. Uh, the only the only extra power I have is holding the gavel yeah. on uh, Monday nights. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, well, that's cool though. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so you were telling me as a kid, you kind of were an organizer. Uh, it, you know, it was kind of an innate thing for you, right? Yeah, I Getting think getting people together and yeah, I mean, even yeah. when I, uh, you know, when I was renting, I was always the one walking around with the petition to get the landlord to paint the building. Yeah, and. Uh, I've just, uh, you know, I was I was kind of a shy kid. Yeah, <laughs> but really, uh, that's hard yeah, to believe. I know it is hard to yeah. believe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I got into uh, market research. Uh, that that's my profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so part of market research is listening to what people have to say about products and services. Oh, true. I see it's the all crossover. About, it's all about. Yeah. opinions and and taking those opinions and taking action. What do you think in your life uh, that made you the person that you are today that is interested both in your professional life and in your political life uh, that you're interested in uh, gathering information and finding out what other people think? Is there any clue to, you know, what in your upbringing or background brought you to what you do? Because there usually is some type of situation or challenge or something that somebody has that brings them to the work they do? Well, you know, I guess it's how I was raised. I mean, I have a, my family, we're very close. Uh, my my parents and my grandparents always felt that education was very important. My uh, grandfather in particular was very much one of those people that said, look it up. Yeah. You know, you'd ask a question, he'd be like, look it up. Uh-huh. Because he, he didn't want you to just get an easy answer. Right. He wanted you to find out. Invest some time in it. Right. Yeah. So you'd remember and learn. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that was probably a a big influence uh, on me. You know, um, they say that the most important thing to people is uh, that they felt heard, you know, listened to and heard and seen. And so it it sounds like you're kind of, that's an expertise of yours is, uh, gathering information from people so that they feel they have a say-so and that they feel seen and heard. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. think that's that's what our job is yeah. as, a, as a council member. I yeah. mean, we are, you know, we, that's, that's why we were elected. Right. So. Yeah. So if a woman wanted to get into politics, what would be your advice to them? 
you know, get involved in what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Because I think if, if there's interest, it shows. Right. Like you have different committees within the city that are planning committees. So it well, could be planning. In a- there's planning. There's public safety. Right. There's human services. There's uh, housing and rent stabilization. Mm-hmm. So find that find that uh, committee or or uh, board or commission that speaks and start, to you. Right. And start attending meetings. Mm-hmm. And as you become more knowledgeable, then people start noticing you as right, well. Right. And and then you you gain that confidence to be able to speak in public. It's that's, you know, for some people it's natural but for others it's learned. You know, they say the three greatest fears people have are either public speaking, flying, or snakes, and that everybody has an uh, a, a fear of at least one of those. Yeah. And and from it's it's snakes for me, <laughs> but but for most people it is public speaking. Yeah. Public speaking is not easy, yeah. and you just really you have to take the bull by the horns. And uh, from I what I would do is I would always write my thoughts down, mm-hmm. so that when I would go and speak in front of a commission or in front of council, I was organized and had everything I wanted to say. And I also try to do it in a very objective way. Right. The less emotional and the more objective you are and the more facts you provide, right. th- the more you're listened to. The more you state your case. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I always think, too, that I think the reason that people are afraid of speaking in public is they care so much about what other people think. I think that's part of it. Because once you get rid of that, then I don't think you have fear about speaking. It's like... No, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I mean, I think it's... Well, it helps. I think think it's just practice makes perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think if you just keep doing it, I'm sure that I'm a better speaker now than I was, you know... Yeah, when you first started. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Now, I know you've done some interesting things. You've also uh, already passed something wherein there's a certain amount of time that people can serve on the council, right? right? Term limits, yes. Term uh, limits, yeah. and there weren't any. Like, so some people served for like 30 years. It just never got shaken up. And right. and I think that's really good that you that you uh, perpetuated that change because um, it seems like it needs new blood, new ideas every now and then, right? Yeah. I, I was yeah. the chair of that committee, and uh, the great thing was walking the whole city. We, mm-hmm. we must have done it at least two or three, <laughs> three or four times. Yeah. And uh, talking to people, and you'd, you'd be surprised uh, how many people really uh, felt strongly about that. And, uh-huh. and obviously it passed right. uh, by a strong margin. So. And, and so that's important that you go out and hear what the residents have to say. I mean, I think that's what makes you a good leader is that you – you know, do things like that to find out what the res- what's important to them. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, what what are you thinking of the future for you? Are you? Uh, I, I mean, is there a possibility that you would look at something beyond uh, the city? Well, I mean, you know, there's always that possibility. But for yeah. me, right now, I'm just I'm happy being a council member for mm-hmm. our city. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it was a it was a, a natural progression. I went from neighborhood. Uh, leader to to a board member to a com, you know commissioner yeah. and uh, and you didn't and, was, and you didn't win the first time. No, I actually ran. I I ran for the council. I mean, yeah, exactly. I ran three times and three it was times. Th- three times a charm. Wow! And, and a I, lot of people don't know that they're just like, oh, she's the mayor. So they don't know that you ran three times. Right. And it's pretty grueling every time somebody runs. It's very competitive. It's very it time consuming. Uh, 
it takes a lot of energy. Uh, it's no easy deal to run once. And I know most people would get discouraged after the first time. And certainly they would get discouraged <laughs> after the second right. time. But you persevered. You were, like, determined. And I, I think that perseverance obviously really pays off. Yeah, and it's a, a little bit of uh, the right time, right? being in the yeah. right time, the right place in the right yeah. time. It was time for another woman to be on yes. the council. And uh, it, it has been, like every industry, pretty much male-dominated, the, the council, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah and so it's a pretty big deal that we have now you and Lindsay Horvath right. on, on the council. So two women. That's really a progress. Right. right. So uh, 40% of the board. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're for making 60? progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't look at me. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, that's that's progress. And, yeah. that, you know, it's good. You know, West Hollywood is known to be so leading edge around the country and I guess around the world, really, uh, by doing things like that, having uh, one of the first uh, female mayors and now having two, two females on the city council and, uh, and a female mayor currently. And, uh, and, and you guys also do a lot of things that are firsts, like uh, that, that helps other cities in the country determine to, to do some changes that are out of the box as well. So uh, I don't know if we could cite some of those things, but... Well, you know, we've, we've yeah. been a leader in terms of LGBT right. rights and in terms of animal rights. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we pride ourselves on, on being progressive. Right. And so uh, it's good that you take the lead so that when you all do something, the rest of the country sits up and looks at it and, and sometimes uh, follows suit. Um, I'm trying to think. It was the um, non-gender specific uh, restrooms? Was that yes, first? That neutral, was first here, right? Right. right. Yeah. That's right. Wow. So meaning that uh, the restrooms can be used by men or women. It's non-gender specific, right, neutral. Neutral, and it's something that's taking on, uh, you know, steam around the country. Right. The state actually followed us. In wow. That. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, West Hollywood's a trailblazer. What do you see for West Hollywood uh, growth? I mean, it seems to be bursting at the seams. A lot of people want to be here. Uh, it is known to be a very gay community, gay-friendly. So a lot of people come, I think, from around the country mm -hmm. to be here for that safety factor, especially with the environment the way it is now. I've, uh, what do you think about uh, Jerry Brown signing the uh, – the, infra, the into law that uh, this is a, a safe state, a sanctuary state. Yes, and we've been a sanctuary city for many years. Oh, okay. So, yeah. We, uh, you know, we have uh, an immigrant population. We have, uh, you know, Russian population, Russian-speaking community in West Hollywood. Uh, it's it's decreased over the years, but uh, for, uh, for us, we feel that it's very important to protect people's rights and we want them to feel welcome in West Hollywood. That's great. So for immigrants, for LGBT, LGBT. Uh, it's a good, safe space, uh, the city of West Hollywood. Um, and we, we had the first transgender advisory board. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, task force. The first so, one in yeah, the country. Yeah. Wow. Are there others now? Uh, city of L.A. Mm -hmm. recently. I, I, wonder, I wonder how many other cities will be adapting that. Hmm. Uh, but there is a probably more of a population here in California of transgender people, so mm -hmm. it, it does make sense. Um, and, and so uh, what do you think um, 
what, what would you like to see for West Hollywood? Is there something that's in your mind, in your vision that you would like to see for this city? Yeah, I am. You know, one of the reasons I was elected is because there has been a lot of growth and there has been a lot of development. And many of the residents are, are concerned that we're going to lose what makes us unique. Mm-hmm. So I because it it is kind of a quaint city considering it's in the city of West Hollywood. You know, well, city we're of West we're Hollywood. surrounded by a yeah. larger yeah yeah metropolitan the entity of LA. LA. Yeah, yeah, we have LA, and uh, we um, you know we were known for many years as a as a small urban village, and we're kind of losing that with a lot of development. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping that we can preserve that and mm-hmm. and uh, and value what we have. You know, we have Route 66 running through, mm-hmm. uh, historic Route 66. We have beautiful historic buildings. And uh, even in our parks, we have historic properties. And we need to, we need to uh, really embrace, embrace mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and make it, make it part of it. So if you, if you develop, at least make it compatible. Mm-hmm. Make it so that, that they all work together. Mm-hmm. So that's my hope. And uh, what's new and exciting uh, that's coming to West Hollywood? Uh, is there anything that we should know about? That I heard Fred Siegel's coming. <laughs> <laughs> is it Fred Siegel here? <laughs> I think they're coming to Sunset. We, you know, oh. we have a lot of. Again, we have a lot of new development that's uh, it w- was approved years ago, and, right. and now is happening on La Cienega and Sunset. And so, it'll be interesting to see what, what materializes. Yeah, what materializes. Yeah. yeah, and and they'll be building more parking structures, maybe. They need that, yeah, right? We yeah, we definitely need to continue parking. But look, you know the uh, the sharing economy, Uber and Lyft. That's oh been a boy, great, that's life changing, yeah, isn't it? it? I know has, I use that yeah. all the time. It's yeah. like, who could live without it now? Yeah, <laughs> pre Uber, <laughs> pre Uber Lyft. Uh, it does make such a difference. It does make yeah. a difference. Well, this is a wonderful city, and you must be so proud to to be mayor of such a cutting edge. A community. I am. Thank and I you. think it's good things coming. Uh, and, and I'm just happy that we are in this uh, sanctuary state. Uh, people outside of this city, um, they might not understand how important that is to people or even right. what that really means. But, you know, as an explanation, it means that uh, LGBT, LGBT people and uh, immigrants and, and people that might not feel welcome in parts of the country uh, are safe here. That's right. what it means, right? Right. right. So that, that there's, uh, you know, the, the more vulnerable are welcome. You know, yes. we uh, we're not going to be uh, asking our sheriff's department to be uh, sending people away. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. You know, we, That's we a good way know, to put yeah, it. <laughs> we want it. We want people to know that they're welcome in our city. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on, and uh, thank you for representing also just being a strong, smart, awesome female in politics. I know you hate that word, but uh, but it's important, and uh, you are an inspiration to young women and, and other women that want to be getting into politics, and just keep trailblazing. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Thanks. you having me on. Thank you. All right. We will be right back with Amanda and Adam Barr. Stay tuned. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 
360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And welcome back. We have Amanda and Adam Barr from RTB Financial Group. Welcome. Thank you. Good to have you guys on. I know you were sponsors of our, uh, one of our sponsors of our conference, the Live Love Thrive Conference, which was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. thank you. And uh, you two are just uh, two extraordinary people. I'm so happy you've come into my sphere. You um, help people with their financial uh, planning. But first, I want to talk about, uh, you know, what's your personal story of why you got into this business? Because I find that really fascinating. Um, First, Amanda, uh, I know that you uh, originally um, grew up in Oklahoma. Correct. Yeah, Yeah. you were a country girl. I was a country girl. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe you're so cosmopolitan (laughs) now. (laughs) Grew up on a farm with horses and enjoyed it and and I still have a heart for the country. Yeah. Um, and you were um, a valedictorian, so yeah. smart chick here. Yeah. 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 Probably just worked harder than the others. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it really is that that sets people apart usually. Yeah. They say if you do 10% more than everyone else, you excel 50% yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also interesting, uh, in I think it was in high school, you said you did the polo team? I was actually so in the, our collegiate the horse- team. I was at Oklahoma State University, and I actually played horseback polo. My grandma said, how do you get the horses in the water? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So that's a cool profession and very unusual. Is that like popular in Oklahoma? You know, they had a few teams around and they play it. I think it's bigger out here in California than in Oklahoma. Right, right. But But Dallas is... You were trailblazing in Oklahoma. (laughs) You belonged in L.A. I did. Yeah. So uh, what brought you to L.A.? I, I know you said that, you know, at one point you wanted to be making a difference and and, mm-hmm. and you had been working what was your first job you yeah were? I was I graduated in marketing and right after marketing. that I came out to California and I was working in the field and you know I was looking at the clock every day yeah. and I was going what am I going to do with my life like right. I'm not impacting anything that, yeah nothing's you know empowering about this position right and so I actually went and taught high school I went back and got a credential to teach uh, to teach a, you know, school and uh, yeah. got a position and taught high school for a few years. Yeah, was that fun? It was amazing. <laughs> uh huh. I really uh, enjoyed it. Grew. Right. You know, was able to really have a make a difference and and you know, seeing those students and what they can do um, and empower them was was Rewarding. invigorating. Probably more for me than them. Right. Yeah. And so I would I would have loved to be in her class. <laughs> I bet you would have. So let's get to that. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> So you told me that you had met an Israeli girl. She invited you to a party, Mm -hmm. and lo and behold, it was Adam's party. Right. And that's how you two met. Yep. I showed up at his front door. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you two uh, are married and work together Mm -hmm. uh, in the financial industry, which is really cool. And um, and so uh, tell me how – so when you met, 
Yeah. Uh, you were already in the financial industry. And in your story is mm-hmm. really <laughs> unique and amazing and extraordinary. I, I always say it's things that happen to us that are our challenges that sometimes bring us to what we're meant to be doing. Yes. And you are certainly uh, the, that, you know, the epitome of that case, right? Yeah. So tell everyone how you got into the financial business. So my history, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood in Israel um, Mm. and had a few mentors that inspired me to come to America and uh, get into the entertainment world, theater, performing arts. And one little caveat, you were Mr. Israel. Yes, I was. (laughs) We have to mention that. Thank you. Hey, that's a great tidbit. Thank you. And Uh, and, um, I know you're humble, so... I I had to bring it up. Thank you. you. And so I lived in New York for Mm -hmm. about 10 years doing some theater and shows and and travel all over the United States Mm -hmm. with uh, performance. And you were on Broadway? I was was doing some Broadway shows, yes. Oh, wow. um, Like, tell uh, me one of the Broadway shows you were on. Like, what did you... um, So we were doing Broadway tours and off-Broadway Broadway Broadway tours. What kind of shows? We did uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did uh, Mm -hmm. Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. Um, We did uh, Pinocchio off-Broadway. Oh, Um, fun. Yeah, so a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, so you were loving it. I was absolutely loving it, yes. That was my dream. I came to... Uh, New York with about 300 I don't remember if it was three or $400 in my pocket with no yeah. English, with no family at three, or friends. At three or 400 it really doesn't it, matter. It really matters. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was going to last me for last at least a year. Right? Oh, my God. You know? and, um, and, you know, I found out the hard way that um, I needed to plan better. Right. And, you know, I got... Well, when you say you found out the hard way, so you had an accident. I had an accident. I was elbowed in a basketball game. Someone okay. crushed my larynx, my throat. Oh my. And so you couldn't sing anymore. I couldn't see, sing nor speak oh my uh, gosh. for almost a year. Wow. And, and so that really, obviously, I mean, to say the least, it would be de- devastating to anybody. But here you were a singer and that was your dream and yeah. you had that taken away. But... As all things in life, it pushed you in a new direction. Yeah. So let's talk about what made that shift. You know, I, th- I believe it was my the beginning of the transformation because, you know, when something so significant happens to your voice, which is confidence and the ability to communicate, um, it does provide you an opportunity to do a lot of soul searching. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of that. And... and I wanted to dedicate my life to con- cont- contribution to others. Mm-hmm. And I realized how unplanned I was uh, in terms of, um, you know, security, peace of mind, financial empowerment. And right. I wanted to learn it. I started reading a lot of books about, um, you know, how to be successful in life, how to do well, how to, if, if you read the book, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're even working on your own book, right? Yes, yes. So you've kind of come full circle. Full circle. I know you both have a book, and we're going to talk yeah. about that. But yours actually is, um, I would assume. So here you've you've you know you lost the profession that you wanted to do. It pushed you in a new direction. And I know you shared with me the reason that you went into the financial uh, part of the business to help other people was that you found yourself in such a bad situation of not having that security and that coverage yourself when you had the accident that you wanted to make sure that didn't happen to other people. Correct. 
And uh, so you you always come from a, a great place of yeah. um, wanting to help other people for the right reason. And yes. I like that. And it, it seems like something that you both have in common is that, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to help other people. And that's a nice common denominator in any in any business. But. Um, you know, what you guys do does help empower women and other people. And that's why, obviously, we're talking about this today. Yeah. yeah. You know, I say often that we make a living by what we get and we make a life by what we give. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every adversity, and I talk about it in the book, every adversity that we come through or that we encounter, um, it's an opening. It's a gateway for new opportunities and mm-hmm. for new uh, contribution to others, and and that's the journey and the legacy that we have. Uh, we, we really have right. a gift to be able to give others. Yes, yeah, so many people say, "Oh, this terrible thing happened to me," and they can't see why it happened. That it's trying to push them in a new direction, and it, it often is all these. Most of the time, it's these obstacles that we've had to overcome, whatever they are, uh, physical or otherwise, that really are leading us to what our life purpose is here. And yeah. and so it's so interesting that people often want to shove it aside and yeah. not look at it and, oh, that was too painful, rather than shed some light on it, bring it over here and say, well, what am I meant to do with this? Yeah. So it's good that you put it into a positive outcome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now – you, Amanda, uh, uniquely, uh, people wouldn't know just to meet you or look at you, um, have had diabetes since you were two years old. Correct. And and so uh, that would sound like it's very challenging. Um, has it been challenging for you? You know, um, you always have to keep a positive outlook because in the scheme of having type 1 diabetes, it's really just about management. I always think, thank God I have type 1 diabetes because I can check my blood sugar, I can go for a walk, I can do all the things to help manage it, and so, and I can live looking like a fairly normal life. Most people don't even know I have it unless I want to share it. Right. And it's actually better to share it. So um, a lot of people around me do know I have it because it's important for them to know if anything, if my blood sugar goes out of range. But yeah. Well, one of the unique things about when I met you Hmm. is, um, and uh, I want to share this because there could be other diabetics out there that might benefit from this, is that you have a dog named Shug for sugar, which is so cute. (laughs) And, uh, And that dog is trained to let you know when you need insulin. Right. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. He lets me know actually both when it drops too low and when it goes too high. So he um, knows that he should indicate when it goes out of range by smell. So he can smell the change mm-hmm. from the body, mm-hmm. and then he'll he'll paw or he'll bump me with his nose, and then we'll check. I'll say let's check. We'll check. And he even goes and gets my checker sometimes. He'll go d- dig in my purse. Unbelievable. And uh, bring the checker back to me if I'm yeah. not listening to him. I actually wish we had him on the show because oh, he's <laughs> always with you. He's so I never. Green- see you without him i know he's in the green room (laughs) so cute uh we'll have to uh yeah everybody will have to meet chug we'll have to put up a picture uh so anyway uh i found it fascinating when i met you that that's what that dog does and i i think it's like not common knowledge out there that dogs some dogs have this capacity i mean i know uh suge's been trained how was suge trained to be able to detect that was 
uh, are there people that professionally train dogs? And is it only specific kinds of dogs? Like what kind of a dog is Shug? Uh, Shug is a British lab, and they say that labs usually have the best sense of smell. Mm. But what's most important is the sense of smell of the dog, but also the workability. So dogs that like to work. You know, some some dogs, you know, they'd rather be on the couch, yeah. you know, <laughs> hanging out. And yeah, uh, It's so, kind of like people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. He is a person. <laughs> Definitely a person. Um, yeah, so it, it doesn't matter really the type of dog as long as they will yeah. want to do it for some type of treat or some type of reward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of work. I always tell people, you know, having a service dog, one, people don't understand the rules of, of medical alert dogs. And, you know, you're out in the public all day long, and it's tough on the dog sometimes. Right. It can be... You know, you know, it's just something you work through. And I think he's been a growth opportunity for me. Yeah. As much good as he does for me, he actually does more for me as a person as well. That's cool. And so did you train him or when you got him, he was trained to do this? Yeah, he was trained. Right. But you still have to work on it. Right. And who trains dogs to do that? Are there Um, companies that do that? Yeah, usually there are um, companies that do. They'll usually have a facility or they'll have trainers in their group and then Mm -hmm. they'll they'll have um, specific people that are training them. Kind of like a seeing eye dog, they'll take them one-on-one or they'll do them in a group setting, depending on the company. I'm surprised it's not more well-known that that dogs have that capability. Uh, I would think more people that have diabetes would uh, choose to have a pet that could tell them, you know, if their blood sugar's low or whatever. I, I just find yeah. it fascinating <laughs> myself. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you find it on a daily basis that people are fascinated? Oh, yeah. And yeah, because whenever I'm with you, people are always like, oh, wow. You know, they're yeah. really blown away. And that's why I wrote the book, actually. Yeah, yeah I with was going to mention that. With yeah. Shug, with it's Shug and Amanda, <laughs> and I contributed a little bit. Adam yeah. did so, yeah. But uh, Shug is a great author. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and what's the name and, uh, of the book? It's called Battling Blood Sugars One Sniff at a Time. Battling mm-hmm. blood sugar one sniff at a time. Yeah. And where could people get a copy of that? Well, it's getting finished right now. So okay. we're actually getting ready to launch it probably in 2017. Okay, uh, great. But it's it's written from his voice, what is it like to take care of a type 1 diabetic? Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. So and from the dog's perspective. And from the dog's book. perspective and oh. giving the children some confidence around yeah. You know, that they're not, nothing is wrong with them, that they could be empowered to be proud of right. whatever it is that mm-hmm. they do in life and be able to educate their peers and their right. friends. And mm-hmm. You're a great cool. ambassador yeah. for uh, for kids with diabetes, I think, yeah. that they could see, oh, look, she's uh, beautiful, successful, yeah. smart. Uh, it's not holding her back whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, so I could do that, too. So that, that's beautiful that you made a children's book for that. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other books out there, or did you find that that was like a unique opportunity? There are a few, um, and they are more geared towards children or even about... But with what, the dog. Um, yeah, with the oh, dog, yeah, uh-huh. just yeah. a couple. But they're, yeah. you know, yeah. the more the merrier. Oh, I, I always <laughs> say there can never be enough information out there to help people, Yeah. right? Like Just like with the show, um, it's an opportunity to tell people that otherwise might not have ever heard of this. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, overall, uh, tell me about how you all... Um, help empower women with their uh, financial situations, like how you uh, help business owners and individuals and uh, just, you know, married couples, whoever, uh, mm-hmm. with their overall outlook on how to how to make sure they're secure for the future. Yeah. So, you know, what we found out about money is that it's not so much about 
numbers planning, although that might be a byproduct, but it's really more about goal management, organization, and quantifications of those goals. Mm -hmm. So if someone, for example, says, I love my family, I want to make sure I have a great lifestyle, I want to make sure that I plan for this vacation or to buy a home or to, you know, save for my retirement or for college, you know, oftentimes we don't think about what would it take to reverse engineer that goal and to really, you know, break it down to chewable bites, if you will, and small steps that could be implementable today. What I've can always we do heard today? It, uh, the saying, by the inch, it's a cinch. Yeah. yeah. By, by the, the yard, it's hard. It's hard, right? <laughs> exactly right. I'm going to use that. So, <laughs> That's a good one, right? <laughs> yeah. And so when we sit with our clients and we really understand their goals and objectives and aspirations, we really take all of the uh, moving parts, if you will, into consideration and we see where could we add optimizations? Where could we uh, minimize any inefficiencies? Where could we mitigate the risks or unexpected events that might mm -hmm. come about that we don't, you, we may not think about? Uh, because you know, life is busy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And I always say, uh, you know, uh, people are can't be experts at everything, and most people are not financial product experts. And so why not go to an advisor that can help facilitate that and help with a big vision? It's like, you know, business owners shouldn't do necessarily all their own marketing or right. all their own uh, right. admin or whatever, because you can't, you can't do everything and do it well. And so right. most people do need that assistance. And I think it's about finding people that you connect with. I think there's someone out there for everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's about having that uh connection where you relate to the person or people or group. Um, so I know you call it RTB Financial Group, which yeah. is, uh, I love it, it stands for Raise the Bar. Um, and it, it do, does it like kind of encompass what you think about raising the bar? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, all of the planning that we do is we are trying to get from Take you from here to point here. A mm -hmm. to point B. Right. Raising right? that bar. And, you know, and yeah. what is it really going to take us to, to get from where we are today to the future? And by what timeline, if you will, mm -hmm. the individual or the business or, or the family or the foundation would like to accomplish mm -hmm. it by? Mm -hmm. And that is where math comes in, right. not only planning and organizations and education for our clients, but also, you know, where the math comes in and where are the inefficiencies in terms of taxes and inflation and mm -hmm. all of the risks that might be out there. So it might be like a woman or a family might say, OK, well, by this age, I want to have this much and be able to retire at so and so. And you're you're figuring out with where they are now, how they're going to get there in a bite sized way comfortable way yeah does absolutely. that kind of sum it up yes yeah. okay it's yeah. pretty good okay <laughs> and um what is it that you would like people to know about uh, your company as far as um hiring i know that you we've talked about how this can be a good profession for women mm -hmm. right. uh and can we talk about that that you absolutely. you guys do hire sure. um and it, because we're in a women's empowerment show i'm going to say that you hire women sure. um and and what kind of opportunities are there i know you are in charge amanda of recruiting mm -hmm. and um that you bring in uh you know 
people from all different walks of life. Yeah. The, even the age doesn't matter, which I think is really right. cool. So, yeah. yes, if you're young and you're wanting to start off new, a uh, new profession, but if you're midlife, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it's hard to find a job or start a new profession, but yet it is an opportunity in your company and in that industry for midlife women to also yeah. be able to step in and start a new career. And I think that's exciting. What types of positions would they have available to them? So before I, before I, I speak about that, I just want to share with you. You know, I, I was raised by a single mom, mm-hmm. and my mom. I remember her going to look for work, and it was very very hard for her. It took her many many months to find something, and you know, and I don't know if that was so empowering for her in the process of finding something that she's passionate about mm-hmm. in doing for herself and other people. And you know, what this the financial industry really. Uh, brings to light and, and the opportunity that it presents is that people could really be the entrepreneur that they want and really earn a very good living by doing well for other people. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's becoming a financial advisor or insurance professional or a college planner or or a uh, uh, managing associate or any anything in leadership in the financial industry, there's a tremendous amount of opportunities that are available, and it's it could be intimidating because one who doesn't come from the industry might think, oh, well, I don't know much about the financial industry. And that's where we come in and we educate and we provide development and we have mm-hmm. coaching and mentorship one-on-one on a regular basis um, until they feel very confident and comfortable to really be that light for their community. So they could take their skills of having been in sales or having been in uh, admin or uh, technology, a lot of different things yeah. that they could bring to the table in the financial industry right. and the rest they could learn. Correct. Everything right. I say often, you know, the um, we teach the things that you can learn. So, you know, what's important to us is integrity, the fact that someone is going to uh, like other people and they want yeah. to do well for the community. And and we, we say we do well by doing good. Right. And so I love that. It's about the people yeah. uh, like you all, that they have integrity and good values and they're, they're good people and yeah. that they want to uh, they want to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, hey, that sounds like a, a great career path for a lot of people. So I'm glad that we're shedding some light on that. Yeah. yeah. I, I would also like to add, you know, as a woman myself and in the industry, you know. And still are. And yeah. still <laughs> are. You know. Um, women are really great at, one, communicating. Mm-hmm. No. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> we love to talk. Yeah. Um, and it's really about conversations and it's really about, you know, Connecting. a love yeah. and a passion for people and for seeing change and to be in a part. And when you get to sit down with individuals, families, businesses and business owners, women in that regard, you get to really love what other people are doing. And you're not only helping them, you get to connect them. You get to help them in other ways. Even if you can right. connect somebody you're working with to somebody else, you know, and that might turn out to be something good for them right you go wow I'm going beyond and you know I said I always wanted to work in a purposeful position so when I transitioned from an educational background and teaching this was a perfect fit I brought in one marketing 
Yeah. And marketing's fun. You know, yeah. you get to really say, how can I get out there and meet the people that I want to work with, right. that I want to be around, that I want to care for, and how can I help others? And how can I connect them to other people? So, yes, we, you know, we'll have our clients and we'll get to, you know, collaborate with others and, you know, make the world a better place in, in our sphere. And that's really powerful. And women, I think, empowering others and giving that voice within their finances, you know, my question would be, you know, where are you, right. you know, in your financial? Do you know what's going to happen, you know, when it gets down the road? Are your kids going to be taken care of if you have kids? Right. And those are tough questions. And somebody, somebody's got to take you through that process. If not, it just becomes another thing on the to-do list that gets overcome by other things. Right. So you have to take the time. And we encourage those to take the time to really sit down and look at where they are and where they want to be. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Well said. I mean, that is all about how women empower themselves is to know how they're going to get from here to there and uh, and doing it uh, with a partner that has the knowledge to help them do that. Yes. Yeah. yeah I we, love that. And I love the part about connecting people because, you know, I'm all about that. Yes. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> You're the queen that's, of it. That's fun. That's yeah. fun. Hel- having yeah. this person meet that person and, and having it behoove both of them and benefit both of them. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Well, thank you both for being on yeah. the show. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, and I look forward to our conference next year. Yes. Yes. And uh if, if people want to get a hold of you, we have it up on the screen. Uh, Amanda Barr at RT, uh, RTB Financial Group. RTB Financial Group. Com. Yeah. So it's up there. Yeah. So again, it's Amanda Barr at RTB Financial Group. Com and Adam A-bar. Barr. A Bar. A Bar. A Bar. at uh, RTB <laughs> Financial Group. Yes, com. So uh, yeah, really appreciate it, and uh, keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you. You're thank making you. a difference thank to a lot of people. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Appreciate it. And we will see you next week. Tune in uh, here at UBN, uh, Wednesdays at noon. And, uh, of course, find us on iHeart and uh, iTunes and YouTube. Thanks so much. Hugs and happiness. Make it a great week. And we are going to close out with uh, an uh, overview of a um, uh information that we need to give you for RTB Financial Group. Please know that they are an insurance representative of Mass Mutual, registered representative, and offers and of securities through MML Investors Group. Uh, and they're a member of Mass Mutual Financial Group out of La Jolla. So Mass Mutual Financial Group is the marketing name for Mass Mutual Life Insurance Company and is affiliated companies of and sales representatives out of Springfield, Massachusetts. Local sales agencies are not subsidiaries of Mass Mutual or its affiliated companies. Thank you so much. Make it a great day. The Live Love Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together.